just as I am. Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And Welcome back. In this episode, we're going to start a a new study. In this study, I want to examine a topic which has been called the most difficult problem for Christianity to answer, and that is the problem of evil. In the book, If God, Why Evil?, Norman Geisler writes this, More skepticism, agnosticism, and atheism have sprung from an inability to answer various aspects of the problem of evil than from any other single issue. What he's saying is more people have become skeptics, doubters in God, or outright atheists because they have not found adequate answers to why evil exists. This has been a question, a debate, that's been around for a long time. If we go back to the Greek philosopher Epicurus, he talks about the the paradox of evil. He says, is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? To sum this up, if God is all-knowing, did he not know that evil would enter the world? And if he's all-powerful, could he not remove evil from the world? So, if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, why then does evil exist? And that's the question I intend to answer over the course of the next few episodes. I want to explore the Bible's answer to these questions to think about why evil exists, and to look at the various stories in the Old and New Testament that relate to this question of evil. Why is it in the world? Where did it come from? And ultimately, how can we escape from evil? I mentioned If God, Why Evil, the book by Norman Geisler uh, earlier, it's an excellent book, it's a short book, and it's very easy to read. So. If you're looking for a book on that topic, I would highly recommend it. I believe I bought it on Amazon a few years ago. In that book, he defines evil in this way. He says, evil is a real lack, a privation, or a corruption of a good thing that God has made. God made everything good, and evil is a corruption or a lack of that good thing. He contends that evil cannot exist on its own. It requires something good in order to exist. Evil is like rot on a tree. The tree is the good thing. The rot, of course, is evil. Rot does not exist on its own. It requires a tree in order to exist. Evil is like rust on a car. You need metal in order to have rust. Cars are 
somewhat made of metal. Cars rust. That's the way evil operates. It needs a good thing in order to exist. It cannot exist on its own. Evil is like a a wound on your arm. Your arm is, of course, the good thing. The wound is the evil thing. The point he's making in all these analogies is evil is not a substance. It's a corruption of a good thing that God created. It exists only in another, but not in itself. All right, so if this is true, where did evil come from? What is the origin of evil? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, For God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. We can look at creation around us and we can see evidence for the existence of God. God is communicating to us through nature. He is telling us that he exists, that he is alive, and he's telling us certain things about himself. And one of the things he tells us in nature is that he is good. Even to people who don't believe in him, don't follow after him. So God is good even to those who do not believe in him, even those who he would call wicked. So God is good. We can determine that by observing nature around us. And we know from Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, that when God created the universe, he looked across his creation, and in particular this ball we call Earth, he looks down upon this magnificent planet and everything he created, and he determined that it was very good. So when God wrapped up the creative process, he was pleased with it, and he declared it to be good. So if God is good and everything he created is good, where did evil come from? Well, as I understand it, evil came as a consequence of our misuse of free will. Evil exists because we misuse the good gift of free will. And I do believe it's a good gift. Scripture tells us that we have the power to choose. We know this from Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. God created Adam, he sets him in the garden, and this is what he says. You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. In these two verses, God gives man freedom. He gives us freedom. Now, he places boundaries on that freedom, but he gives us the freedom to choose. And we know we have the freedom to choose because of the consequence he gives. You can eat of every tree in the garden except for one, and if you eat of that tree, you will die. All of this, I believe, implies man's freedom to choose. And remember, back in chapter 1, verse 31, just a few verses earlier, God, after he had created everything, including man and woman, saw that everything was good, including this gift of free will. But how did Adam and Eve use that beautiful gift from God? Well, as we see in chapter 3, they misused it. 
they chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of their choice, they suffered the consequences that God had warned of. Now this takes us back to a question we were thinking about a little bit ago. If God knew, if God foreknew that man would misuse free will, why did he give us free will? He could have created us without free will, and then evil would not have come into the world. Well, I believe that God gave us free will because without it, we cannot love as God loves. Because true love implies a choice. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Case for Christianity, says this. This is an excellent quote. God created things which had free will. That means creatures which can go wrong or right. Some people think they can imagine a creature which was free, but had no possibility of going wrong. But I can't. If a thing is free to be good, it's also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God create free will, or give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. A world of automata, of creatures that worked like machines, would hardly be worth creating. The happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight compared with which the most rapturous love between a man and a woman on this earth is mere milk and water. And for that, they've got to be free. So without free will, we could not love as God loves. We could not experience the greatest joys that life has to offer. So in giving us free will, God created the possibility of evil. And he ran the risk of bringing evil into the world, or of man bringing evil into the world. And yet, in order for him to have creatures who could truly love as he loves, free will had to be given. So let's talk about the types of evil that exist in the world. I like to think of the book of Job and his story in the first couple of chapters to to identify the types of evil that are out there. In the book of Job, we see Job suffering from moral evil. His wealth is plundered. His servants are killed by marauding bands of raiders. This is an example of moral evil. And the Bible has a word for moral evil. The Bible calls it sin. But also in the story of Job, we see a different kind of evil. We see what we could call natural evil. Job's children were killed while they celebrated in their brother's home. A windstorm uh, was uh, created that blew down their brother's house, and all of the occupants were crushed as the house collapsed. Job himself was struck with boils from head to toe. These are just two examples of what we might call natural evil. And under that umbrella would fall things like illnesses, cancer, coronavirus, 
boils. But natural disasters would also fall underneath that umbrella. Catastrophes like earthquakes and tornadoes, hurricanes, volcanic eruptions, anything that brings pain and suffering into the world of man for which man is not necessarily morally responsible. These are examples of natural evil. Now, as I begin to draw this to a close, I want to remind us that God has chosen to participate in our sufferings, that God has not remained distant from us. As you read the pages of Job, one of the things you see is that Job felt very disconnected from God. And a lot of us can identify with how Job feels in these moments of suffering. Where is God when it hurts? But it's good to remind ourselves that God has not remained distant. He has been an active participant in our sufferings. He sent His Son into the world to suffer right alongside of us and to ultimately die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus extends to us this invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.